we're back to the Neil Haley show here on the total celebrity segment. And you know, this guest of mine and the media giant effect, this guest, this guest I have known for years. I think she was a guest on my show about nine, 10 years ago when we were doing mm -hmm. some segments for a while. And then we went our separate ways and we keep growing our brands. It's amazing. Catherine Kramer, Catherine, how are you again, Kat? When I think about you and specifically enough, how you continue to bring the legacy of your father and continue to do so many amazing projects. I'm so glad to have you back on. It maybe was four or five years ago, last time you were on my show, but it seems forever. And remember our, the LA, when we met in person in LA and I met your wonderful mother, it's just great to connect again. Oh, thank you so much, Neil. It's, I'm so happy to be back on your show because it's been far too long. And oh. it even seems longer because we had the pandemic and everything was at a standstill. But Zoom kind of became the dominant communication. Uh, and I did so many things using Zoom and using the virtual space just in the last couple of years. So, but it's so ha glad to be back on your show talking. And yes, I remember meeting you in person and the show we did downtown LA and my mom was there and fantastic. it just how, been how, such how a long mother, time. How's your mother doing? Well, she's uh, doing pretty well. She's actually uh, producing my father's high noon for Broadway. Uh, it's supposed to open next summer in 2023 and it will be, um, it's written by Eric Roth, the Academy award winning uh, screenwriter and Paula Wagner, the acclaimed producer, is her partner on it. She has a couple partners. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're taking one of my dad's films to Broadway and a new adaptation. How and then she and I, Catherine, she just turned how? 89, if you can oh believe my that. Yeah. yeah, I just remember how sweet she, she was. Oh, she's the she best. Yeah. And, and how, you know, we, we got our pictures. I got to go find those pictures that we took. And she was just so... Uh, you know, just so really amazing. And it was a great, remember, I, we were Mary Amons with her. We had a really cast of characters when I did my own event in LA. Maybe when I go out to LA, not just hit the red carpets, but do my own event as well. You know, with the whole Airbnb world, we could rent somewhere really nice and have an amazing event in LA. That's that's uh, that's what I'm hoping for. So we'll, we'll play all that by year. So all yeah, you projects, should. Yeah, so pro all the projects are going on. Update me what's happening with you. I remember I, the last time we talked, you were doing a lot of, uh, uh, it was probably five or six years ago, and you're, I remember you talking about doing a, a, a lot with, uh, you know, um, web TV type stuff. And how before the OTT was really growing and you were doing some amazing things and acting other things. But what's going on now with you? Well, I've been acting. I did Child of the 70s. That was the web series. Yes, and that was it's already ago. that's already done. They um, they oh, yeah. they launched their last. Um, I think it was five seasons. So I was on three, four and five. Okay. And, but since that time, I've done a feature film, which has gone through the roof. It's now on Amazon Prime. It's an indie feature. I'm also a producer on it called Turnover. And I ended up winning Best Supporting Actress from a prestigious indie film festival called the Love International Film Festival. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. But this film is very, it's all about inclusion and diversity and community. It's been on many platforms, but it, we had a theatrical run. And I was um, a pivotal role in that. It stars Paul Gilfoyle, the veteran actor, um, Donna Mills, Jamie Brewer, the uh, Down syndrome uh, actress who you probably know from American Horror Story and other projects. 
Beverly Todd is in that. Um, it's just a huge cast. So that was something that I'm very proud of. And it's a film that a lot of people have seen. And it, we have deaf talent in the film as well as Down Syndrome. Um, as you know, I advocate for the disabilities community and have worked primarily with the deaf community. And I was able to convince the writer director to change one of the characters uh, that was in this original script into a deaf character. But I said, you have to have an authentic deaf actress. You cannot, you know, cast a hearing person and have them play deaf, even though that's how it's always been done in the past. But even before CODA and even before Switched at Birth and, you know, I was I was advocating for the deaf and blind community. I think it's because I played Helen Keller on stage. And so that made an impression and also my father, as you know, was very progressive in bringing uh, disabled and uh, characters to film for representation early on. So I've always advocated for that. And um, so I made sure that that was in the film. And I've been performing for ASL Cabaret, which is a deaf uh, variety show, deaf and hearing. And I had a screening of Lily Tomlin's film Grandma. I don't think we spoke during that time when I brought 50% deaf entertainment in the entertainment community, a deaf talent to the screening and the 50% hearing because Lily used American Sign Language in her first film, Nashville, and she also signed on Sesame Street. And she's, you know, very well beloved to the deaf community because they grew up watching her and she knew how to do sign language. So I bridged the two gaps by having a, a film that had no deaf characters, but I still was able to bring it to the deaf community and and as an open caption screening with ASL interpreters during the panel, which I moderate. And I'm doing that all the time now. I try and bring that into my series as much as possible and also um, have a, a film that's actually part of the awards conversation, primarily films that are nominated or uh for your consideration to be nominated for during award season and have just a, an open caption screening for deaf and hearing audiences and a panel, an ASL panel afterwards. Wow. So I did that with the film Harriet, uh, you know, about Harriet Tubman. I've also, I did a, a short film that I act in about Alzheimer's and I play the wife of the lead character who's, Mother has Alzheimer's in the film, and it's called Mother's Day Memories. It won quite a few awards on the circuit, um, including, you know, the Audience Award at the Idlewild International Festival of Cinema. And then I just wrapped on a, a short, um, well, it's, it's going to be a feature, but it's an independent project called Rings of the Unpromised, where I play Violet Grace. And these are all, except for Mother's Day Memories, turnover is written and directed by a, a female. Um, and so is Rings of the Unpromised. That's a Michelle Arthur, uh, an actress who wrote, you know, wrote and directed and produced her own film. So I wanted to be part of anything with female representation in front of and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And I did Fate Shadow with her, which was a short film with Michelle. And my mom was in that, Get we play mother daughter. And we also did the feature Fate Shadow, the whole story. And then also Civil Disobedience is a a web series that I'm um, acting in and also producing one of the segments. And that's also Linda Palmer, who did Turnover. So 
I've done a lot in the film world, film and TV world of, over the last few years. And I also, well, launched Cat Kramer Comedy during the pandemic, actually performing live stand-up comedy, trying to bring laughter and clean comedy to the fore. And now it seems to be really taking off in L.A. And I, I really want to, and I am planning to revamp my solo show and add more stand-up comedy into it. So that's the reason I... um you know, went out and did stand-up comedy because I don't consider myself a stand-up per se, but I do want to incorporate that into my solo performance. Right. But mm -hmm. I did have I did have a lot of offers and still do for bookings, and I've been holding off till I have the solo show revamped. But I was actually out there doing local clubs during the height of, you know, whatever was the height of the pandemic last summer and last fall when it was, they were still getting uh, the vaccines and most people hadn't had them yet in L.A. and I took a big risk and I incorporated, you know, COVID protection into my routine. So that's kind of how I protected myself by having all the the gloves and the mask and the Lysol spray and all that into my comedy routine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I'm still um, I know there's so much I've done live singing and I did monologues on Zoom and I was able to create another one person show, which is in development that came off of a monologue that I did um, for Los Angeles women's theater festival. Cause I'm still very involved with that. And I've been um, hosting and, and moderating book signings for authors over the past few years. And that's something I enjoy doing. And I have like 10 film projects. I'm film and TV projects. I'm trying to launch in a couple of theatrical things and I'm still advocating for animal rights and wildlife advocacy, developing at least three projects that are about the environment and about, um, you know, conservation and wildlife and, and animal rights in the more of the animation space, which I really started working on during the pandemic because so much of it was going to animation and they were taking, you know, like live action stories and adapting them for animation because nobody could really film for the whole first year. So a lot of the things I'm doing have turned into animation and some of them are hybrid, kind of a mixture of both. Right. And then I'm continuing with Kat Kramer's films that changed the world. The last one I did was in 2018, the last live one. And I did some things on zoom, but I have the series is back now with Shiro's for change being the theme. And, um, I'm launching the Heroes for Change Film Festival. It's going to be a mini film festival where it's all female-driven uh, documentaries, either made by females or about the women's empowerment issue or different issues. And one that I was asked to do that's not really part of the festival, but I'm presenting the L.A. premiere uh, is Christina Zorich, her film, The New Abolitionists. And this is on October 21st. It's for her theatrical run. She's got a theatrical run also, you know, up for awards consideration and to get the message out there. And it's about human trafficking. And the issue has really gotten to be worse over the last few years. And this film is very impactful. And she actually it's her first film. And she went to Thailand and Cambodia to, you know, interview uh, survivors and also um you know, abolitionists that are actually helping to end human trafficking. 
Mm-hmm. And her mom, her mom was the late Olympia Dukakis, who sadly passed away, you know, the Oscar winning actress from Moonstruck and Steel Magnolias in many films, um, who passed away last year. So she's actually her mother was a producer on the film. So it's it's just now getting released. And I'm sure dedicated to her mom. So um, that's that. Those are just some of the things I'm currently working on. <laughs> I know that sounds that, like- that's that's a lot. Of, it's that's the beginning, and then you'll tell me uh, more of them, and I'll have to get and remember uh, uh, the list of that. So um, the films you said the the films still available on Amazon is the one that you were not, that you got a award for and stuff. People could check that film out. Yes, yeah, it's it's streaming on Amazon Prime. It's also been on Tubi TV, YouTube, and Google. I mean, there's different ways you can see it, but it's really more accessible on Amazon Prime. And if, you know, for whoever gets Amazon can find it on there. And it they just screened it over the weekend at the Down Syndrome International Film Festival in Palm Springs. And Jamie Brewer went down for that. I wasn't able to go because I had a book signing event here. But, you know, I'm a producer on Turnover. It The film itself is, besides myself winning a, a Best Supporting Actress Award, the film has won like 10 awards all over the country for Best Director, Best Film, Audience Award. It even won at the Love International Film Festival. So it's already a multi-award winning, 100% uh, rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And then during the pandemic, it went on Amazon Prime and it's, you know, it's just a perfect family film, too. And we're we're in talks to do a series out of it. It's something I've talked to the to Linda about and, um, you know, the creators to revise my role of Fran. That's my character. And, you know, have a a series because it takes place in a restaurant and it's a lot about the restaurant industry. And there hasn't been a, a series like that in a while. So that's something we're also working on. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of like a long-term goal. I have a lot of long-term goals that are that I'm working on now that probably won't even happen for another few years. Right. And then you sit on the 21st for your, your event. Um, who else is going to be attending that event on the 21st? Well, that's being kept under wraps, but we do have a host committee in formation but I can tell you that the filmmakers will be there, Christina, obviously. And I'm moderating a panel with seven experts, human trafficking uh, experts on the panel. And there were, most of them are flying in. They're not even L.A.-based. And the red carpet reception is before the film. And, um, and then the film itself, screening in Santa Monica at the Lemley Monica Film Center. And it's an opening night of a run, so even though my part of it is invitation only, the public can actually buy a limited number of tickets if they want to attend the opening night screening. So so other celebrities will be there that you cannot say on the 20th. I can't say at this point, I will be able to closer to time, but we do have a very strong host committee. And, um, you know, I can say that um, it'll be a lot of new celebrities, you know, those that are um, speak out about ending human trafficking. There's a lot of them that speak out about that. And then there'll be a lot from my core, you know, Cat Kramer's films that change the world host committee. But I think um, there'll be a lot of new people as well that I'm introducing to this series, which is always good. All right. Have you covered almost everything you have as projects going on or as, or do you want to talk a little bit about 
what's happening with Lily or I don't know. We usually have. Yeah. Lily actually gave me a lot of tips on my comedy and my stand up. And she's always the ambassador, the main ambassador. And I am planning to present. Um, there's a few documentaries she's actually in, which is so great that I'm going to be presenting, especially for this uh, Shiro's for Change Film Festival. But one that's going to be my next um, premiere will be Still Working 9 to 5. And that's the documentary about the making of the movie 9 to 5, the TV series and the Broadway show that then became like a touring company. Uh, you know, they did it in, in different countries. I can't believe what happened. Yeah. And I know yeah. the, the creators that started the whole story. I had the twins on years ago. Right. Uh, the twins, that, Gary and Larry Lane. Right. Yes. And they, I mean, they've become some huge entrepreneurs as well. I think which one is the one that had uh, some major companies, but they told me the whole story of driving down to meet Dolly and what has happened. And I couldn't believe what the Oh yeah. Boston yeah, Dolly, Dolly is um or her producing partner is one of the main is the executive producer on it, Steve Summers. And then Camille Hardman is also um a filmmaker that did it with the twins. So, and it's perfect for my series, you know, because it has the whole, you know, Dolly, Lily, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, Alice and Janney, all the celebrity interviews and the whole, you know, entertainment part of the movement. But then it really delves into the ERA and, and those that founded the nine to five movement. That was the, you know, genesis for the film itself. So it's a very impactful movie. It almost seems like it was, it's, it's almost like it was created for Shiro's for change. You know what I'm saying? So it's a good that I've, I've been planning to do that film since before they locked it because they were working on it and then they finished it during the pandemic. So I already had planned. It's just a matter of dates and when we can every, hopefully get all three ladies there and, um, you know, I also created the Hunt for Humanity Award, I think you remember, for my series in honor of Marsha Hunt. Well, she just passed away last month. So I will be, you know, giving, I already have a couple of people in mind, the Hunt for Humanity Award to a deserving recipient. And then I'm creating the Shiro Award. Oh, wow. Shiro's for change. So, you know, still working nine to five is a an ideal movie for that whole launch. Wow. But that's what's new on the Lily front. There's some other things too, but that's one I could talk about. <laughs> um, right. mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, a, hopefully it will be happening. I, it'll, I, I can't give a date, but it will be happening. All right. Definitely. Well, I'm definitely intrigued by that. It's also, it'll be a red carpet or a way to come back in person, especially for that. Yeah. That'd be great. Still, yeah. So, yeah, no doubt. That's one reason again uh what's happening so anything else you can report or is that about it for now um well with my solo shows my duet with mick obviously and i did launch that a few years ago but i'm revamping that and then i have one called crescent drive which is about growing up at a haunted house that's the one that i did a monologue and then it evolved into a one-person show and that's really better for halloween so you know, I, I was going to launch it as an actual live one person show and virtual this Halloween season, but I'm going to wait till 2023 because I'd like to travel with it a bit and tour at certain locations. So that's a more of a long term goal. And with my duet with Mick for, you know, next year when I'll be relaunching that. 
Um, and uh, I've just been involved with a lot of, you know, there's a new YouTube channel that you'd appreciate because we haven't talked since before I did it, which, you know, my salute to Lily that was part of the Pioneer Luncheon that I did a few years ago that was big on social media and it just got, it already had a following of its own. Well, they um, asked me to help launch a channel for the Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters, which was the organization where I did the salute for her. And they since changed their name to the Hollywood Media Professionals. Oh, wow. So I, I was asked to be on the board and I joined the board. And then during the pandemic, they decided to launch the channel. And it turned out to be an absolute huge success because it gave all the members and the public a chance to look at these you know, videos from past luncheons. They've been having them since like the 60s. But Lily was the very first one and I launched the channel and they they opened with my whole salute. And then they showed, you know, different, every week was a different part of that lunch and they didn't include the whole, the whole day is, but they had certain people like George Slaughter and, you know, um, Bruce Falange. And then, you know, they've, they've shown every single luncheon from like, Rich Little to, you know, the late Regis Philbin. I mean, there's been so many on there. Johnny Mathis, Michael Feinstein. So many people have been honored, but it did launch with Dear Lily Tomlin. And it's very, it's become a very important channel, in, especially with show business aficionados. Oh, wow. So that's something I know you'd want to hear about. Um, Absolutely. And I also had something to do with with helping with the channel. So it wasn't just giving permission for... Lily, I had to, I was the one that oversaw that whole a month. It was a whole month dedicated to Lily Tomlin and it launched in December of 2020. And then I was involved with the whole channel. They didn't, they didn't continue past 2021 with it, but they might, but we had, there's enough segments on there now to keep people happy and busy watching them without adding any more. But I was involved with the launch of that and had a lot to do with programming the different uh, segments so I was also working on programming a variety kind of TV thing on YouTube. Um, I've just done a lot of different kinds of, you know, virtual being involved with virtual fundraisers and speaking. I spoke to a women's group and I've done a lot of empowerment panels and I was moderating panels on Zoom. So I've gotten used to doing everything in the virtual space. But I do have some outreach programs I'm launching in person in the next year. So it's a little premature to talk about them, but we can next time we uh, Absolutely. Definitely. come on the show. So the best place people are going to find information on you is where can they go? They got, you got multiple places, right? Oh, yeah. I have the two websites, KatherineKramer.com, uh, com, which is being updated. And then on Twitter at Catherine Kramer. Um, well, I have Instagram, but I'm getting a new uh, a new handle for that. But you could hashtag Cat Kramer. And then on Facebook, I have tons of Facebook pages. I'm trying to actually narrow them down. But just go to Catherine Kramer, the Cat Kramer, uh, the Catherine Kramer Fan Club, Cat Kramer's films that change the world. There's one under Cat Kramer, but that doesn't have a lot of content. And then the Grandma Gang, I started that. I have a group about that. There's um, Traveling for Tomlin, which is a little online little travel show I'm trying to put together, but I have a website for it. 
in the works, but this is just right now, it's just a Facebook page. That's something we could talk about too, that ties to Lily. And um, there's like friends who like Kat Kramer's films that change the world. I feel like I'm leaving something out, but I have multiple, you know, uh, social media pages. All right. Well, fabulous. We appreciate it, Kat. It was great information. And thanks mm -hmm. for stopping by. Oh, absolutely. All right. Take care. All yeah, right. you too. You're I want to hear about you as well. Absolutely. Look forward to after the interview. All right. Great. Okay. All right. You're, you're, ta you're watching and listening to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley's show, and I am excited about this topic. And it's such a very, very interesting thing. I'm going to have two segments, and I'm first going to welcome my co-host, Kim Sorrell. Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest today. Neil, I am so excited about our guest today, and I am doing great. Thank you so much. And so what's really exciting is our, the author, Lisa Skinner, and, and our co-author is going to talk about Alzheimer's and the whole thing in Douglas Collins and how uh, powerful this thing is. And we're going to talk about truth, lies, and Alzheimer's. So I'm excited to welcome you guys, welcome you guys both to the show. How are you? Hey, we're doing good, Neil. All right. So let's talk about this. Lisa, how did this project start and how did you get Phil involved as well in the story? How did we get Phil involved? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, situation and it was actually worked out really well. So Doug and I decided to add a chapter to the book because the pandemic, um, we had just come through the tsunami of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we thought it would be a really great idea to do some research and find out what the, uh, huge impact, well, what the impact of COVID-19 had on our elderly population, and then also specifically people suffering from Alzheimer's and dementia. And after doing extensive research, we found out that the pandemic had a huge impact on that population for a, a variety of reasons. So we wrote the chapter, included it in the book. And uh, as it turns out, Phil is friends with Doug. Doug is friends with Phil. So they were talking one day because they connected for another reason. Wow. And Phil happened to mention to Doug that his mom had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's about five years ago. And she had progressed to the point of needing uh, to find other care options. She had been living by herself. And um, so they started talking about that. And, and Doug uh, had asked Phil, well, by any chance, um, did the pandemic, um, you know, like influence you and your sister's uh, decision of what that care plan was going to look like. And he said, it pretty much was driven our decision of where to place my mom after we realized she could not live safely at home anymore was completely driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. So he shared his story with us 
And uh, we included it in the book following the COVID-19 chapter. And as it turns out, they, they were totally driven by the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, that was really what, what uh, helped make their decision of where they were going to have her live um, as a result of the pandemic. So Phil moved her in with him. Yeah, oh, good wow. for him. I mean, that's not an easy thing to do, right? For for anybody. Oh, no. But but the way that that people were in homes and separated from people, and my mother in law was in a home at the time during COVID, and uh, I could not believe how she spiraled downward so quickly. And so, what an important, great conversation to have. And it, it, was, it seems seems it to be a conversation that that nobody's having. You know, well, I, that's one of the things that we discovered in our research is there's a huge shift in the way people right now are caring for their parents because of oh, the isolation and loneliness, which happened to be the number one uh, impact that COVID had on our elderly population, especially those with Alzheimer's. And so we're seeing that shift now in caring for parents and the thing that's really interesting about their mom, and her name is Diane, is she evidently was was uh, watching the news, following the news, because uh, Phil's sister Tracy had approached with um, the idea of finding other another living situation for her, and approached her with, "You want to go look at assisted living um, facilities, mom?" And she said. Absolutely not. There is no way I'm going to go live in one of those homes. People are dying in there and they're, I'm not going to live the rest of my life lonely and scared and not being able to see any of my family. You might as well just shoot me now because oh. I'm not doing it. So uh, it, it, it really, it really is true. And, you know, now you're coming out, uh, you know, Kim and Neil, uh, now you're coming out with this post COVID, right? So these are the people who have recovered from COVID, and we're finding out right now that there's a 30% increase in Alzheimer's and dementia oh. for people who actually recovered from COVID because, you know, you still have the damage to the brain, you have the damage to the neural system, you have the damage to the kidneys and the lungs and the heart, I mean, everything. And all of those are the comorbidities that Alzheimer's and dementia you know, love to hide away in, but yeah, Phil, Phil Vassar and the Vassar family. Um, I mean, you, you just couldn't ask uh, really for a more American family and bringing her into the house so where she can be with her son and his family and her grandkids. I mean, uh, you know, she's happy. I mean, he, he notices that, you know, that his time with her uh, he, he described it as her, you know, she's dimming yeah. and, and that's kind of, uh, you know, so, so you're reaching that, that part, the, the terrible thing about Alzheimer's, uh, we don't have an early diagnostic tool. So by the time we diagnose you with Alzheimer's, right. you know, you're, you're already two or three years into it in most cases. We'll come up with a way to cure that? Yeah. Douglas? And, and, and there's no, and there's no cure, Neil. Um, so the diagnosis really is one uh, where you get your affairs in order because, uh, you know, and, and, you know, as they say, you lose your loved one twice. 
Does you lose them as the decline of the of the disease takes their memories away from them? And then of course you lose them finally upon their death. But right now the new report from the world uh, from you know from the World Report on Alzheimer's, uh, you've got countries like the UK and the Netherlands and Finland where Alzheimer's is now the number one cause of death. Oh. You have an Alzheimer's diagnosis every three seconds oh. around the world. This is a huge problem, and it's a problem that we're just now scratching the surface on. Yeah. I think that uh, Doug and I, we're really dedicated to raising awareness of this disease because we have seen um, that people who live with this disease can live very happy, fulfilled, meaningful lives if they're presented in the right environment and people learn the skills of how to communicate with people who live with dementia. And a lot of people, uh, they, you know, they fall into the misconception that once you've gotten an Alzheimer's diagnosis, that's pretty much your end of life as you knew it. And that is absolutely not the truth. Yeah. They can do, they can be able to do anything. I, this is, we only have a few more minutes. So Kim, I, I want you to ask a quick question and let either Doug or Lisa answer this. And then we're going to finish up and I'll let you know in the time wise, Kim, go ahead with your question. Uh, first of all, thank you for doing this project. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, this is so really? important and so important today and people have no idea, you know, you get the diagnosis and what do you do? So you're a great resource and so thank you for doing this. I, I hope that it goes far and whatever. I did this year where I dedicated a year to uh, figuring out the true meaning of love. And um, love plays a big part in this, right? I mean, you, hmm. you're going to bring your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle into your home. Man, uh, love, love plays a big part. So when you talk about um, how you deal with it, the, the steps to really take care of somebody in your home, how does that play in or, you know, what's the biggest factor? Well, I'll go ahead and, uh, and take the first crack at this, Lisa. Oh, so Doug, uh, we, we, we have only a short amount of time. See if you can hit this in one minute. Yeah, we can, can, can do that. Absolutely. Uh, when you bring them in like a multi-generational family and you bring them into your home, one thing that you have to know is that uh, people around you can't judge you. Okay. You really this Alzheimer's is like the elephant in the room. You can't get away from it. You wake up with it. You go to bed with it. It's there all the time. Uh, So it's incredible. Lisa? Uh, I think the key to the success of uh, the relationship between the family members and the person living with dementia is for everybody to understand what this disease is doing to their brain and how it changes their cognitive function, and then to recognize all the behaviors that are associated with it, how to um, effectively respond and react to those behaviors. And these are very specialized skills that people really need to uh, grasp onto nowadays. Definitely. Best place we can get the book is in Amazon and in a website as well. There's a website, Doug. Yeah, truthlizealzheimers.com. And the book is available in both English and it's available in Spanish, as is the workbook. And we have an audio book, which is released right now. So you can actually listen to Phil's story. We appreciate it. And Kim is, again, loveis.info. 
and also kimsorrell.com. Got to go, guys. I appreciate it very much. And thanks for coming on the Neil Haley Show. Take care. Thank you so much, Neil. I appreciate Thank you so it. much. Right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Growing Older with Enthusiasm and the Neil Haley Show special simulcast with our host, Dr. Ron Kaiser. Dr. Ron, how are you? And I have a friend that I brought on the show today, Dr. Ron, because he's doing some tremendous work with the older adult communities. How are you, Dr. Ron? I'm doing great. It's great to be here again. Looking forward to our conversation today. Yes, our guest is really exciting. I'll let you introduce him, Dr. Ron, and I'm excited to talk to him because he came on my show back 10 years ago. He supported what my growth when he was the parenting expert, he's still a parenting expert, but he's moved on to the older community after he helped, you know, uh, weave everyone through parenting. So go ahead and introduce our guest. Okay, well, our guest is Bill Corbett, who, as you indicated, is really transitioned into the aging area, has a wonderful older adult community, and I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, Bill. Tell us a little bit about your community and what you're doing with them. Well, I spent a lot of years, as Neil alluded, uh, working with uh, youth in behavior and young adults as well. And then I, I was looking for a change, but wanted to stay in the field of behavior. Ended up getting a, a great deal working for a senior living community, independently of living, of course. And my wife and I co-manage a community of seniors who are very active, and uh, we have it's it's our um, let's see it's our fifth community that we've managed, and you know there's not much difference. We're we're kids at heart, and uh, seniors are kids too, and it's uh, it's been a really exciting adventure to working with seniors. A lot, lot different. In fact, so one day we were uh, pouring coffee for some seniors in the dining room, and one lady said, we heard you used to work with youth. It must have been really hard for you to transition to our generation. And I said, no, it's really easy because you guys don't throw a fit when it's time for bed. <laughs> That's terrific. Uh, so what's the name of the community, and what is, uh, what's the criteria for being a part of it? Well, it's an incredible opportunity for my wife and I. We actually are, we co-manage independent living. It's called Evergreen Crossings Retirement. We have about 125 residents. We're at 80% capacity and growing every day. And we're also residents. So it was an interesting opportunity. The company hires couples to co-manage senior living communities. So we live on site. We discovered there was no need to have a house, so we sold our house. We actually have an RV now. So all of the pay that we get goes right into our retirement co account. We make a comfortable six-figure salary. We've got one of the biggest apartments in the complex, and we are actually we mingle with them every day. We get out of our office frequently, and uh, you know we eat dinner with them, we eat meals with them, we participate in activities. Sometimes I even drive the bus to take them to the casinos here in Connecticut. Now, Bill, this is an interesting question for you. You said it's unlike other adult, older adult communities. Why? Because of the activities, how you kind of put it all together, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's a great company that has a great work model. 
Um, what makes them different than other communities is we have a travel program. There are 50 buildings around the U.S. It's all owned by resort lifestyle communities. And each of the 50 buildings has a guest apartment. And they, they have this terrific travel program where any resident from any of the 50 buildings around the country can book the guest apartment in any building in the country for absolutely free. So a lot of residents participate in this travel program. Uh, they book the, the apartment wherever they want to go to visit relatives or go on vacation. In fact, we've got a lot of buildings in Florida now. So it's a terrific program that sets us apart from other senior living communities. And what does being a resident there look like? Uh, does, is there, are there activities? Are they, are there meals provided? What's, you know, it sounds like, you know, it's, you're, you're not dealing with people who need to be taken care of. Uh, so I'm just wondering what, what do they get provided for them? It's built to look like a cruise ship actually, and it's a uh, resort style living. So these people are here by choice. The company was started by a gentleman um, uh, who actually was looking for a place for his mom to retire because the house was too much for her to take care of on her own. And she said, uh, you know what, uh, I want to I feel like I'm on vacation every day. So he went and searched, couldn't find one, so he built one. He built four of them, actually, in the Midwest, and then uh, sat back and watched how they operated and then went and built another 46 around the country over the last 15 years. Wow. That's, that's just an amazing thing to think about, Bill. And that I guess really there's people that, you know, don't want to go into a home anymore, but still want to enjoy the lifestyle, but then they get the socialization as well as Dr. Ron talks about seniors, how important it is to have that socialization. So you're fitting into like a cruise ship lifestyle with no maintenance, but yet not feeling like, you know, you're in a, you're in a nursing home. Or, or an assisted living, it seems a lot different in that way, right, Bill? It is. We have an activity or a director who keeps them very busy. We have an executive chef and a full culinary team. They pay one low monthly rent, and everything is covered for them. Three gourmet meals prepared right in our kitchen every day. We have Freedom Dining. They can come down and grab and go 24 hours. They can have the meals delivered. They can come down and sit with their friends at the table. And we have a, we're a very active community. A lot of, we even have a few that uh, go to work every day. They're in their sixties. And we even have one that's a, a veteran who's 105 years old, walks around through the community playing his harmonica. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, and as a positive psychologist myself, this really sounds appealing, but I'm wondering are any particular challenges of working with this age range and, uh, you know, because again, I, I know there, there are a lot of commonalities with the work that you did before, but uh, any, any particular challenges with working with older adults? Oh, yeah, definitely. One of our biggest challenges is a lot of these people were CEOs, they manage businesses, and sometimes they cross the line and try to get too involved in managing the community on their own. So they like to participate. Uh, sometimes too much. So we always look for creative ways for them to participate. And we are constantly reminding them, look, you're retired. Be retired. Relax. Enjoy life. 
don't be so worried about the operation of the community. Let us take care of that. And Bill, you know, listening to that. So what does that, what does that mean? Like, like if they were choosing to stay in their house or go to one of those that are a house that, you know, basically is maintenance free without grass, is it based on the activities that make people see this as more rewarding? I think it for you as well, it's rewarding for you in the fact that you get the ability to have maintenance free and not deal with a lot of the things you had to deal with in your life taking care of the house and all that stuff. So how to like, if people said, you know what, I'm, I'm in a, one of those maintenance three living type homes, you know, where they do a lot of the different things for people that's in a community, but yet not really based in community. What makes this more of a selling point for people to think about going this route, even at an age where they still take care of themselves so much? Well, one of the biggest selling points is, um, when they're in one of our communities like this, they don't have to worry about any maintenance. It's very common to read in the news that someone fell off the roof trying to clean his gutters, um, that he, got, he or she got injured, and uh, they fell, they slipped on ice, uh, they were remodeling, they were cleaning, and then they injured themselves. And here's the big problem. Once they go to the hospital, it oftentimes seems they don't come back. So uh, we get a steady stream of the kids, the grown kids come to our community and looking for uh, estimates on what it costs to get their parent to move in because they want, wor not only do they want worry-free living for the parents, they want it for themselves. They don't want to have to worry about mom or dad living in this giant house anymore and injuring themselves. Yeah. That sounds real, real important. And what, uh, what kinds of activities do people participate in or do you offer? I assume since it's independent living, people have choices on these things, but, but what's available to them there? Oh my gosh, uh, so much. We take them on an outing every week. Uh, so they might go to the casinos, they go to stage plays. We go out to fancy restaurants, we go to clam bakes, uh, especially being in here in New England, we take advantage of New England types of activities, but internally, uh, their favorites, of course, is, are, is bingo, horse racing. We have these uh, giant plastic horses, and they shake the dice. And, and uh, so we do horse racing right out in the, in the main common area um, because it's all one building. We are not separate houses. It's all one giant building. Uh, other favorites are, there are, are golf. We have uh, chair volleyball where they sit in the chairs and, and hit the, the, uh, the beach ball back and forth. A lot of times we'll have teams. Each wing of the building will have their own team to compete against other teams for prizes and just uh, bragging rights as well. So a lot of indoor activities, a lot of outdoor activities. And, of course, they love to walk. Uh, we have a great walking trail around the building. Well, that's terrific. And uh, you've answered most of my obvious questions. Uh, Neil may have some others, but I want to make sure number one that people know how to get in touch with you and uh with the broader company if say somebody if this turns people on but they don't want to move to new england or they they were thinking about spending their retirement years in a, in a warmer climate or whatever it may be so can you tell us how do people reach you how they find you and and how do they find uh i forgot how many uh, such places you said the company owns. 
The company right now has 50 buildings around the U.S., and they're breaking ground on six to eight every year. Uh, they're about to open up the very first Massachusetts company. Uh, we've got them as far west as Arizona, New Mexico. Uh, the company has them as far east as, of course, Connecticut. We have two here in Connecticut, one new one in Massachusetts. We've got them in the Carolinas, of course, and we have lots of them in Florida. Uh, it's Resort Lifestyle Communities, RLC Communities. They go to the website, they'll find information on all the different types of communities that are available. Some of them have waiting lists right now, especially the Carolinas. Um, and uh, we are Evergreen Crossings in Connecticut. And evergreencrossingsretirement.com is one way to get in touch with our building. We've got about approximately uh, 15 to 20 apartments left open. We predict we'll be full in just a few months. This type of resort lifestyle living for seniors is be very popular and we have no problem uh, moving new people in it's time for a lot of people to give up those big giant houses to have risks with their health and be taken care of and, and live the resort style life for seniors that can actually be retired and enjoy their lives what age groups do you see the youngest of seniors that are in the community well we can take them as young as 55 but I would say the majority of them are in their mid-70s to, mid to mid-80s. That's the largest bulk group we have. 75 to 85 seems to be the largest group. But again, like I said, we have them as young as in their 60s, still going to work every day. And we've got them over 100 at many communities That's uh, enjoying their, life, their longevity. They're, they're still going to work every day. Now, my question for you, and this is really regarding what Dr. Ron does, is basically he looks at specifically you know, growing older with enthusiasm, enjoying your life, feeling healthy, not being bogged down, keeping able to do different things. Do you see challenges with any of the seniors that are in your buildings that still, you know, to stay as healthy as they can so that they, so they can stay there a long more time in their life? Do you see those challenges at all? The challenges is really, I would say, uh, psychological we're constantly urging them just retire, just relax. And there, in fact, uh, I've got to introduce you to a friend of mine who's out West and uh, she's really been doing a great job with helping people age with grace. And that's what we do as well. We help them age with grace. It's like, relax. Don't worry so much about the operation of the building. Don't uh, fret too much. And of course, worry is in all of us we find that a lot of them are worrying about their kids. They're worrying about their grandkids and helping them just relax and enjoy the time that they have left in this, the golden years here uh, where they don't have to worry about homes and their finances. They did a great job of putting money away. So that's now taking care of them. Fantastic. And uh, Bill, are, where can we follow you and stuff social media wise? Cause you're all over the place and other things too and books and stuff. Do you have a book out for seniors yet or is it all just parenting so far? I don't, I'm working on a couple. I've got a lot of books on uh, child behavior and uh, also professional speaking. I still speak professionally. Uh, I've written eight books and you can find them on billcorbettsbooks.com. That's billcorbettsbooks.com and Corbett is C-O-R-B-E-T-T. BillCorbettsBooks.com, where all my books and CDs and DVDs are are, um, are are located. All right, Bill, we appreciate it. Great talking to you. I know you have other business entrepreneur mindset. Even though you're in you know in this community now, your mind is going with new 
opportunities. I, when I first met you, I was blown away what you were doing with your parenting show. Now you're heading towards this direction, but other always looking for the next entrepreneur opportunity. So I appreciate you coming by. Great talk. Wonderful. Thanks for the invitation. All right, guys, that was growing older with enthusiasm. Guys, take care. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, how are you? And I know our guest today, another exciting one, a really interesting musical guy. So I'm excited to welcome to the show Mercury of Priest Mercury. Thanks for stopping by, man. How are you? Thank you, Neil. Nice to be on the show. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, glad you glad you have, have me. All right, let's talk about your background, your experience, and, and with Priest and all that stuff, and uh, more about it. This, I guess, you're the one of the most famous Swedish brand bands, is that correct? You can say that. You can say that. It's it's not a big country, so we. we... <laughs> <laughs> but you can take it. But kind of give us that background and that musical journey of yours. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I would love to share some of my memories of the this journey. Okay, so go ahead. All right. Yeah. So, okay. Mercury, yeah, so I'll just kind of give you a quick question. So, you know, specifically, what did people, you're, you're no, well known all over the world. When was that big break for you and, and with Priest? You can say it was uh, about this time last year when we signed on with Cleopatra Records in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, we also got a deal in uh, having our music in a Mel Gibson movie called Hot Seat. And and also with the release of the new album, which took, uh, yeah, the proportions went bigger, you know. And uh, yeah, everything started to happen now. And now tour is coming up. And uh, it's uh, the statistics going upwards. So we're, we're very happy that we did that move and uh, to work with Brian and other guys and Cleopatra. I think they gave us a, that extra boost we needed. That's got to be great. Isn't it great? Yeah. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. You know, how did you guys get into, um, you know, doing the mask? You know, it seems to be like a crow. Is that right? Is it a crow mask or? Yeah, yeah, it's. It's two crows and one spike mask, uh, which I use. I'm the vocalist. And we, uh, I was playing in another mask band before. I don't know if you know, but uh, so I didn't want it to quit. I didn't want to quit. It's too much fun to have a theatrical band. So yeah. we just did our own take on it and changed, it went electronic instead of hard rock. So that's basically we did and try to get our own unique touch on the masks uh, as well so that, that's the basic idea of priest uh, and and we just launched it back in 2017 and yeah now we're here <laughs> i love the gimmick yeah thank you former pro thank wrestler I, the that's the best gimmick possible man like you have something unique like that with priest and all that stuff and you said you're what you consider yourself one of the most well-known bands in Sweden. Am I correct, Mercury? You can you can say that absolutely. Okay. Think, uh, most and then the are... Mel Gibson thing has got to be unbelievable, right? When you heard about yeah, that. yeah, I had to pinch my arm a couple of times. Just, <laughs> you know, being a, a band from Sweden, getting your music in a Hollywood movie, it's like yeah, it's it's unreachable when you grow up here. Uh, so I, you know, it, Still to this day, I think it's really, you know, surreal in a bit. But we're very happy. It's a good match. It was a cyber thriller. And we're also into like cyber stuff, cyberpunk. And, you know, so 
it was a good match. So tell me that style of music real quick, Mercury, and then I know Greg will have a branding type entrepreneur question. But tell me about that your style of music for our listeners and viewers out there that do not know who you are in Priest. Yeah, it's actually a blend of different musical styles. Electronic music from the 80s is probably the most heaviest influence we have, but also like bands from the 90s. And we mix it with new uh, technology as well. So you get a modern touch uh, on it as well. But heaviest, we we, we rely on uh, the 80s sounds and old synthesizers as well. So... And it's a bit on the more heavy side and a little more gothic uh, side. So we don't, not very many, very happy songs. We we do in minor key, write in minor key. We can tell from your gimmick. I don't think we're going to see upbeat, positive happiness type thing. I don't don't think so. I'm a happy guy, you know, uh, privately, you know, so maybe I need to have the dark side, uh, you know, get the dark stuff out in 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 a creative project instead because I I'm not doing that privately, so it's uh yeah. All right, I'm going to throw, you know. throw okay. last question because Greg has to jump off. We all have to jump off quick. Go ahead, Greg. I got to jump. Well, obviously, you know, business entrepreneurship, uh, theater, oh. all that stuff and marketing super important to you, right? Um which do you think is the biggest influence for you? The theater part, the entrepreneur, the business? You know, what really drives you at this point in your career? I think the music is always the, the, the biggest, but when you try to make a band grow, the entrepreneurship, as you mentioned, is getting more important. And you no, on our level, nobody else is doing it. We have to do it in ourselves, most, most of it right now. So you learn a lot and you you learn to use the social media and uh, how to grow a band basically because it's a little company you're doing so that's taking more and more part of it but uh, you you never can forget the creativity because that's where it all starts right so i have a to have a good balance between the both is the most challenging thing i think and uh, but we're we're going forward and upward, and uh, it's it's a lot of you know you have to roll up your sleeves and really do it yourself. It's nothing happening by itself, self you know. So it's uh, it's it's hard work, and uh, we're willing to do it. And if you're willing to do it, anybody out there, uh, it it doesn't come for free. You have to work hard for it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, sooner or later, it's gonna happen, you know. All right. Well, we appreciate it, Mercury. Best place, find info. Where can we go? What? Find, find info on you. Where can we check out the band and everything? Yeah, you can check it out on www.priestnexus.com and also Priest on Spotify and uh, on social media uh, at Priest Official on Instagram and also Priest Official on Facebook. So all right. that's all the Perfect. info. And toss3.com for Greg Hanna. Appreciate it, guys. That was Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto, guys. Take care.